The Discover College Soccer Podcast is sponsored by VO. VO is the number one AI camera solution helping players capture college recruitment videos. Check out their new starter and family options by clicking on the link in the description or visit Discover College Soccer to learn more. Hi, everybody. Welcome to Discover College Soccer. Today, I'm lucky enough to be co- uh, to be joined by Coach Steven from Oakton up in Illinois. Welcome, Coach. How are you doing? Doing well, thanks. Uh, it's August 11th when you and I are chatting. Uh, looks like you're you're back at it, right? We are. We're back at it. We start uh, for junior college. We start the 1st of August every year. Okay. Now, I, I know in the past I've talked to some junior colleges and they don't sometimes their games don't start till almost mid-September uh but it looks like you uh you guys start uh, next week maybe well we start um we're allowed to start um basically the third the third Thursday okay um it's for regular season uh we'll have an exhibition uh coming up this coming week and then the week after we're we're already in our conference schedule wow so it's it's pretty packed yeah it sounds like it well I know one of the toughest parts uh, of of a junior college coaching's job is the recruiting side because you're you're doing it twice as much as everybody else. Um, so, when did your incoming class kind of stop? Because uh, I know in some some cases, uh, junior colleges are you might still be picking up players. <laughs> it hasn't stopped yet. Yeah, yeah. Um, we're. And this is my 24th year at Oakton, uh, 24th year with college soccer. And it doesn't get easier no matter how much time you've spent. Uh, it just doesn't get easier. Every year we're recruiting a new team, basically. We have returning players that are coming back. But the, the junior college is amazingly fluid in terms of rosters. So we're, and, and I'm still being, con- I got contacted yesterday uh, by a recruit who is here uh, on, and with the new program uh, that the state department started with Ukraine uh, called U4U, um, United for Ukraine. And they've come over, they're coming over uh, from Ukraine, obviously getting out of that horrible situation and the State Department has opened up a, a new visa for people from Ukraine, and it's a limited time, two-year visa. But here, here he is. Uh, he just showed up yesterday, uh, and we're going to work to try and get him eligible. I'm not sure if we will, but we're going to try it. Awesome. So it, 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 you know, it probably for me, um, this is about it. Um, it's time to focus on the team that we have. So. No, it makes a lot of sense. Well, looking at your roster, it looks like you do have a mix of local kids, maybe some international kids as well. Um, what what do you what do you see as your typical mix uh, of say foreign and domestic players in, in a given year? I, I'd love to be able to tell international players, "Come on, we have money. We're we don't." Um, we're one of the one of the lowest funded programs. Uh, even we were literally probably the maybe second or third lowest in the country uh, for Division One. Uh, and then when they opened up Division Two for junior college just a couple of years ago, uh, we're still probably one of the lowest uh, in terms of funding for scholarships. So any internationals that we get, 
we get because they have relatively significant resources. Um, we can't do what a lot of even junior colleges do and bring internationals over and pay their tuition and, and really give them a substantial amount of money. Uh, some of the internationals that you'll see on there uh, are actually, uh, they, you know, they may have been born in an, uh, but they've been in the United States and almost all of them graduated from a U.S. high school. Gotcha. So in a typical year, we have a handful of internationals at best. Um, we have a true F1 internationals. We have two. Uh, the rest were born outside the U.S. Um, and, and consider that their hometown uh, for purposes of our record keeping. But the truth is that they're actually domestic players for scholarship purposes, et cetera. Okay. <clears throat> well, in terms of the domestic side of recruiting, where do you like to go to see players, to find players? Are you looking at the high school scene a lot? Is, are there specific tournaments you like to be at? What's that look like for you? Um, I'm not a young guy. So I'm, I'm a little old school in that regard uh, because at the time that I started, that was how we did and had to do things. I go to a lot of high school games. I make contacts with the high school coaches. That doesn't mean I don't go watch club games. I do. It doesn't mean I don't keep up or try to keep up with the clubs, the moving club scene. It's a moving target, but the, where the, the coaches are at the clubs in our, in our area. But I spend probably 70%, maybe 80% of our recruiting time uh, at high school games in the fall. Uh, that's where most of our list comes from. Okay. So, and, and we, you know, I use some of the electronic services um, I try to stay away from the recruiting services, uh, but inevitably I end up responding to emails, uh, you know, the hundreds of emails a week I get from recruiting services. I respond to them as well. I watch the videos uh, just like everybody else does. Well, I don't know, you know, I assume everybody else does, but that's not where the bulk of my recruiting time and effort goes. Okay. Well, do you uh, or your staff, do you guys host any camps, work any camps? Are they part of your recruiting process at all? The camps that we use for part of our recruiting process is I and my staff travel to other schools camps, the four-year schools camps. Uh, I've found that that is, at least for us, and, and we're not going to get 12 players from that. But if I'm traveling that Division One circuit and and – uh, even the NAIA and the, the uh, D2, D3, those that are having camps in our area and, and to kind of jump back for most of our recruiting is done in our geographic area, in the Chicago metropolitan area. Uh, but, and, but not all of it. Um, but again, that's where we spend the bulk of our time because our recruiting budget is well, uh, a few dollars over zero. Okay. And it doesn't really allow us to travel to tournaments and travel out of state. So we're mostly local. Um, but um, I go to those camps, and if I can pick up one or two really high-quality players from running that circuit of the four-year school camps, uh, I'll, I'll feel that that's been time well spent. Okay. 
whether it's at a camp or at a high school game or at a club game, what, when you are looking at players, kind of what makes up your your hierarchy of things that you're looking for in a player when you want to say, hey, we want we would like to bring you to Oakton? I'll start with maybe a comment. Here's what I love. When I ask a player, a recruit, what position do you play? They say, I play soccer. Where do you want me? So first and foremost, we're looking for players who can play the game. Um, and I am i don't get caught up in, uh, well, he's a right back and I need a left back um, because I expect that a player who has been playing uh, for many, many years at a high level and competitive level is going to be able to go to the left side and play if we need him there. So I don't get really caught up in, I have to have somebody in that exact place. The only obvious exception would be goalkeeper and usually center back. However, I've got half a dozen All-Americans on my wall at the office, center backs who had never played center back before. So, you know, that kind of model works for us, that if you can play soccer, we can teach you in preseason and over the course of time, we can teach you how to be an effective player at the position you're, you're, we want to move you to that we see you being most effective at, uh, we can we can train you there and we can give you enough if you can play the game. So that's what I'm looking for. I'm looking for players that appear to be tactically aware, that appear to be technically sound, that appear to have the right temperament. Um, and and for me, that's something. If If I go and watch players, and it happens all the time, and I see them arguing with the referees, I move on. Um, it's not the kind of player we're looking for. Um, uh, I, I find that kind of distraction a distraction to the team, uh, to me, and and everything that we're trying to do. So, so temperament is also something. Uh, so, I mean, those are the, the the biggest things that we're looking for. Um, like anybody, you know, we're looking for superstars, but at the junior college level the real superstars aren't generally looking at junior college as an option. So we're looking for those solid uh, types of players uh, who we think will fit into our culture uh, as opposed to fitting into our system, because oftentimes we're going to fit our system to the players that we have. Okay. Well, let's shift gears a little bit, talk more about the school itself. I'm sure there's some folks out there not familiar with Oakton up there in Illinois. So, uh, you've been there a couple years, as you mentioned. So, uh, what's kept you there that long? What are some of the awesome things about the school that you'd like to share? Maybe some stuff we wouldn't even see uh, by going through the website. Um, I mean, the first thing that's kept me there is, um, uh, I guess there's two pieces to it. We're, we're Chicagoans, uh, and my, my wife, my son and I were, we're, we're Chicagoans. And, uh, so that has kept me from over the course of my college career looking at places out of state out of where you know further away uh because moving was something that we had decided long ago wasn't going to be an option uh in order to uh be that kind of traveling coach that many coaches are um uh, but oakton college uh has been around since uh it started in the late 60s uh this campus was built in the 70s it's a beautiful campus 
uh, really is it's set in uh, in forest preserved land. So there's forest on all sides. Uh, it's it's quite scenic. Uh, and uh, the academics that we offer are substantial and they're of a high quality. Uh, and that's important for me as well. One of the first things that I tell recruits is I know all of you think or want to be pros, um, but we all know that barring something amazing, it's not going to happen and you're not going to make your living playing soccer. You may make your living in something related to soccer, but it's probably not going to be playing. And that being the case, academics are important to me and important to the program. Uh, and so uh, while I'm looking for players uh, who have demonstrated good academic skill and, and, and perseverance, uh, it's, a, it's, a, it's a junior college. And so we're open enrollment and, you know, we're not going to turn anybody away from the team because they've struggled academically in the past. Uh, but in terms of the school, the academic offerings are substantial. They're high quality. Uh, and, and that's something uh, that is a good piece of what's kept me there. Uh, the soccer has been uh, a lot of fun and we've had a, a, a tremendous amount of success over the years. And so uh, we've had that as well. Uh, so those two things combined um, keep me coming back year after year. Awesome. Well, you mentioned high quality academics and, and as we both know, that's really why they're there, right? It is a student athlete experience. So in terms of balancing the demands of being a college athlete and the demands of being a college student, how do your players really transition from high school into college and make sure that they're successful at both kind of what support systems are there in place that the school offers to help them with that too? Uh, quite frankly, a lot of them struggle uh, and they struggle because it hasn't been their experience to do the things we're asking them to do. They played soccer, um, but maybe they played in a program uh, where uh, everybody on the, on the high school team has to work. And so I've gone to I've gone and watched training sessions uh, at some of the high schools that we recruit from, and it starts with uh, seven or eight, and then three more join fifteen minutes later, and two join five minutes later, and then two leave, and then three come, and then four leave, and that's what their sessions look like. Uh, and so moving from that model to the model that we're trying to instill um, is sometimes a struggle for a lot of our players who have to work or, and, and one of the sad things that sometimes I have to tell players is not everybody gets to play college soccer. Uh, and I hope you're not one of those unfortunate ones that wants to and can't, but if you have commitments uh, that override your commitment to school and your commitment to soccer, then maybe it's not the right choice for you. Uh, and so that transition to try and help them, we do what probably most schools do. We do study tables uh, and they're required unless you've met a certain academic standard. So everybody their first semester is in study table. If they, if they hit that certain academic mark that we set, then they don't have to do it second semester. 
We also do grade reports, and we do that for everyone, even if they've met their academics. And that, of course, allows us, our, we have an academic advisor for athletics, and we have a lot of support available at the school. Uh, and that allows us to try and pinpoint the players that may be struggling and get them the help that they need, um, get them the support that they need. In this day and age, uh, without going on a rant, uh, a lot of the players academically are what, for somebody who is old school, uh, not as prepared as they probably should be coming into college. And maybe that's why they're at, at a junior college, and that's an, a great mature choice for them. Um, but we have to provide them with support, and we do. Um, and so we have... Uh, obviously, this the learning center with tutoring and uh, and uh, working with kids on study skills, note taking, uh, reading, highlighting. It doesn't matter what the you know writing, all the different things where they may have deficiencies and may need to improve in order to be successful overall in college, not just junior college, but for their bachelor's degree and beyond. Uh, we we try to provide the services that are gonna help them. And we try to do what we need to do to identify those that need the help. Uh, it doesn't catch everybody. Obviously, we still have failures, uh, but we have much more successes, I'd say, than we have failures. So um, every time we get somebody who maybe uh, is from a disadvantaged background or, uh, or, or from a socioeconomic situation that didn't value or prioritize education, and we have a success there, that's that's what I'm living for. Um, those are the things that you walk away at the end of the year and you've got your head up and you feel proud of what you've done, even if it's for one student, you know, one student athlete. So that's kind of where where I come from and where, where I look at it in that way. Okay. Well, let's fast forward uh, maybe a few weeks, kind of get into the heart of the season. Uh, what would a typical week look like uh, for the players in terms of when are classes, practices, kind of what's the game cadence? What does that all look like? Uh, I, I often tell recruits when they, and, and most of them ask, what, what's my week going to look like? Uh, that it's going to look more like high school than like Division I NCAA. We're not lifting at 6 and then video at 8, at 8 p.m. and training in, in somehow fit in, in during the day because our demographics don't allow it, quite frankly. Again, a lot of our students have to work, have to help put food on the table for the family, have to help do those things. And so I can't tell them to do that or they can't play for me and that's not what I'm there for. Uh, so uh, a typical week, we are training when we're not playing. Weekends are always a question mark as to whether or not we're gonna train or have a match Sometimes yes, sometimes no. Uh, but during the week, we're gonna we're gonna generally uh, uh, train every weekday that we don't have a match. Uh, like most, I would hope most coaches, um, it, it really cuts down on the amount of valuable training time we have because obviously day after game we're doing recovery, day before game we're doing a preparation session based on the opponent. And, uh, and so maybe we're getting a couple of days of training, maybe if we only have one match that week. Um, so this year, for example, I've tried to cut down on the number of matches purposefully. 
um, because I'm trying to get more training time and less recovery time. Uh, and so it's something that that we're we're experimenting with um, this year. Okay. Well, let's talk more about the team and and the <clears throat> the season. And so, do you have a roster size that that you're trying to hit each year? Usually, somewhere in the twenty four to twenty eight range. Um. And we're always trying to have 24, uh, about 24 field players, and then two, three, four goalkeepers, however many we can get. Well, we'll take them all. But, <laughs> um, uh, but usually we want to make sure that we have enough field players for 11 v 11. Um, that uh, is always... Uh, provides a challenge for the coaching staff because that means that we always have more people on match day not playing than playing, right? St not starting than starting. Uh, and we try to um, bring in players who were who have never been on the bench. And when you do that, and then you tell more than half the team, you're there today, um, it's a challenge for the coaching staff to make sure we keep them motivated, keep them working, uh, keep them engaged uh, and keep them in a position where they're fighting for that spot they didn't get that week. So, um, but that's usually the roster size that we're looking for. We don't run a JV or reserved squad at all. Uh, and so, you know, it's basically what do we need in order to work that work the season and 20, 24 field players is usually a good number uh, in the roster up to 28 then, um, and we're about there. Um, this year, we hit we hit those marks. And so I'm pretty happy where we're at with our incoming class and with the returners. Okay. Well, you mentioned staff. Uh, how many staff do you have? What are their role? Are there other kind of support staff uh, in the athletic department that help? And, and what does that all look like? I'll start with academics because if I'm going to say academics is most important, I should start with academics. Uh, we have a full-time academic advisor in our athletic department. That's pretty unusual for a lot of the junior colleges in our geographic area. Uh, uh, other places in the country, I think it's pretty standard. Uh, in smaller towns where uh, where they're bringing in all their, everybody's from outside the area, uh, et cetera. I think most of the time those schools do have that full-time academic advisor, but with a lot of the junior colleges in our area, they don't. So that's a, that's a first thing uh, in terms of support. And that's big. Um, I have two assistant coaches, uh, one would call him a first assistant. That's fine, whatever. Um, and then I have a goalkeeper coach and then I take on volunteer coaches when it fits the, the year in the system. Uh, and so oftentimes we'll have one or two volunteer coaches as well. So we're pretty well staffed in terms of numbers. Uh, I feel we're pretty well staffed in terms of quality, uh, and, um, in terms of the athletic department, there is someone who works in the athletic department who handles the facility side of it, uh, handles um, all the logistics about getting the field ready, making sure the field's ready, making sure the grounds crew is on the same schedule that we're on, uh, things like that. We have, uh, some, we have two essentially full-time trainers. One is uh, an employee of the school and one is on contract but we have two full-time trainers. 
Uh, and that's also quite unusual for junior colleges in our area. Uh, and that's big because rehabilitation, uh, injury, prevention, injury, uh, handling injuries that have happened is always a big piece uh, for, for an athlete, any kind of an athlete. Uh, and so we've got a great setup uh, on that end uh, as well. Okay. Well, putting the guns uh, on you at this point uh, as the head coach, how would you describe kind of your style of coaching and the, the team style of play you're trying to, to enact? Um, style of play, I'm not – you know, I kind of break coaches, college pro – into uh, two camps, ones that want the players to fit into the system that they like and those that pick a system based on the players that they have. Uh, and I don't know that there's any, either one's better than the other. For me, I like to try and design a system around the players we have. So we're always spending the first part of the season evaluating the first part of preseason, evaluating. Will it work in the system we used last year? Is that something we want to continue on with? Do we want to tweak it? Do we want to make changes? Uh, so that's how we start the year. Um, my style, um, in training, it is not laid back. Um, uh, I'd say it is more hands-on uh, than it is hands-off and let good players just play. Uh, we definitely are still teachers. We're still teaching 18, 19, and 20-year-olds about the game. So uh, when it comes to matches, however, I am way more hands-off. Uh, I feel like my job is to get them ready during training. And when match day comes, it's their game. So most of the time on matches, I'm sitting and taking notes and uh, trying to figure out uh, whether it's what we need for the next session, the next, you know, the next three days or what we need to talk about at halftime. Uh, so uh, my, my style in match is quite different than my style in training. Okay. Well, coach, we've, we've talked about a lot of different things, covered a lot of ground here, but uh, I like to end these with one question. And that is if you had one nugget, one piece of information that you wish every parent, player family going through this process new what would that be can i pick two you can pick two. Uh, <laughs> one would be to the parents let your son or daughter own the process don't take it over um your your 14 15 16 17 year olds whatever age it is they're starting to look at college um that's a point at which they have to live with the decisions that they make. Let them own the process. Uh, for the players, it is don't get too caught up on labels. Division one, division two, II, division three, NAIA junior college. Don't get too caught up on those. Find the school that suits your academic needs. Finds the school that suits those other needs that you have as you're looking. The size of the school, the geography of the school, that the program, do they fit your academic program? Um, make sure that you don't say, I have to play Division One, And then, and because you play Division One, you're not at a school that really gives you the academic um, foundation that you need for your life. Um, so... 
I guess those would be my two quick pieces of advice. Awesome. Well, coach, really appreciate the time. Wish you the best of luck this fall season. And uh, if you ever get down to, to Florida to do some recruiting, uh, let me know. <laughs> I've, been, I've been there, uh, but not often. <laughs> Usually I'm recruiting as part of a vacation. I got you. Not a recruiting trip, but definitely will. Matt, awesome. thanks so much for having me. Thank you. Hi, everybody. It's Matt from Discover College Soccer. I hope you're enjoying the podcast, whether that's on YouTube or your favorite podcast platform. Don't forget to hit the subscribe button. I also wanted to let you know about the Discover College Soccer Study Table. This is our brand new online portal that is complete with a 14-part online course giving you all of the ins and outs of the college soccer recruiting process. There's also a wealth of resources such as checklists, templates. There's the spreadsheets that have every soccer program in the country along with their coaches, their contact information, their social media information, uh, some basic stats about the school and more. Plus there's an online community where you can ask your questions, share your wins, your losses, any questions that you may have around the college soccer recruiting process. It's all there at the Discover College Soccer study table that you can find at discovercollegesoccer.com slash study table and hopefully we will see you there.